You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com sermons. The prodigal son and how he learned the Proverbs the hard way. I think uh, we can certainly uh, consider that the father of the prodigal son and that other son as well. Uh, but that kind of, the fa- kind of father that he was uh, almost certainly would have been a synagogue goer, certainly would have had his sons receive a, a good education. And in those days, a good education was a religious education. I think that those two boys should have well, been well familiar from their youth with the Proverbs. We think about the basic education that all the uh, young Jewish boys as they were growing up would have received. And it was a instruction based entirely and fully on the law of Moses. And so think about the, the many hours that uh, the Proverbs would have been their textbook, that the Proverbs would have been the, their, their moral instruction uh, as well as their practical instruction with the wisdom that's contained there. Yet and still, uh, though having grown up with that, uh, having read the Proverbs and uh, having, I'm sure, to have passed uh, tests on them and memorization things and the like that all the young men who received a decent education would have then, uh, still he becomes a prodigal person. Uh, he becomes a reckless person, a person that is in prodigal, it is root in English, means wasteful. And so he was a man who was wasteful. He was a man who was reckless. He was not careful at all for a time about his morality, uh, about his financial decisions, uh, about any kind of uh, ethical decisions uh, that he was making. Uh, there was no care at it at all. It truly reckless and wasteful, self-gratification, living for momentary pleasures, indulging in all the lust uh, that uh, one might do. You think about Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon treads this road for us but tells us not to do it. It's, it's vanity. But at least Solomon had unlimited resources. Most people don't have unlimited resources of which to try the vanities of the world. Uh, as we go, before we go to this, I, I, I've really taken to liking reading uh, paraphrases of the text, especially if it's a well familiar text. Not, not so much for a word-by-word study, but just to, to get it from a fresh voice, just to consider the overall aspect of the thing. Uh, maybe from a slightly different perspective. So uh, let's just read uh, Peterson's paraphrase. Uh, in this one, uh, Peterson sometimes doesn't quite get the sense, I don't think, but but in this text, I really think he, he, he quite does. Uh, Peterson's paraphrase reads thus from uh, Luke 15, verse 11. There was once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's coming to me. So the father divided the property between them. And it wasn't long before the younger son packed up his bags and left for a distant country. There, undisciplined and dissipated, he wasted everything he had. After he'd gone through all his money, there was a bad famine all through that country, and he began to hurt. He signed on with a citizen there who assigned him to his fields to slop the pigs. He was so hungry, he would have eaten the corn cobs in the pig slop. But no one would give him anything. 
that brought him to his senses. He said, all those farmhands working at my, for my father sit down to three meals a day, and here I am starving to death. I'm going to go back to my father, and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son. Take me on as a hired hand. He got right up and went home to his father. And when he was a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out and embraced him and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He called to the servants, quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Get a grain-fed heifer and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive, given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. All this time, his older son was out in the field. When the day's work was done, he came in. As he approached the house, he heard the music and dancing. Calling over one of the house boys, he asked what was going on. And he told him, your brother came home. Your father's ordered a feast, barbecued beef. All right, oh, there's the paraphrase part. <laughs> barbecued beef. It's brisket. Because he's come home safe and sound. The older brother stalked off in an angry sulk and refused to join in. His father came out and tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. The son said, look, for how many years I've stayed here serving you, never giving you one moment's grief, but have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours, who's thrown away your money on whores, shows up, and you go all out with a feast. His father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time, and everything that is mine is yours. But this is a wonderful time. We had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead, and he's alive. He was lost, and he's found. And so we see the prodigal. The prodigal who just went off for a time and did exactly as he pleased. And then in that situation, he eventually learned some very hard lessons. It's been said that experience is a master teacher, but she's a cruel one. Well, the Proverbs tell us exactly of this kind of thing. Proverbs 17 and 10. A rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. I just try to imagine getting the younger son to gain the wisdom he gained without going through his prodigal period. I mean, you just think about how many, you know, uh, how much money that cost him, how much time that cost him, how many cold nights, how many bitter experiences did it cost him to get his wisdom. But before he went through that experience, you couldn't have got him to get that wisdom. There's no way. What would you have done? Would you beat it into him? You know, sometimes we use that turn of phrase, beat some sense into somebody. But you ever know anybody who had any sense beat into him? I know a lot of fellows in their young age got beat up, but I don't think sense was the result. And so, yeah, a hundred, the, the rebuke, just the wise word, 
goes into more, more into a man of understanding than the hundred blows in the back of a fool. Or this instruction, also from the Proverbs, give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in his learning. So there are people who can learn by instruction. There's people who can learn by teaching. And then there's folks who just don't seem to. And that's where this prodigal was before he went on his terrible adventure. And so there's a lot of things from the Proverbs he could have learned. He could have learned all the lessons of that life without having to have lived it. And he certainly did learn what the proverb says, that riotous living is waste. He learned that the hard way, but the Proverbs taught us all along. Proverb 14, 16. A wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. Well, we think about that young man before he left. Was there any wisdom or any caution in him? Was there any turning away from evil? He didn't turn away. He ran as fast as he could to embrace it. And then with all the money from his dad, he bought as much of it as he could get. And no, he didn't, he didn't turn away from it. He pursued it with all the energy and all the money that he had. He was the fool, arrogant and careless. And he learned that unless you're Solomon, there's no amount of money that can't be spent. What did it say? He went into that far country and he squandered. He wasted his money in that riotous living. He spent everything. And then he ended up with the pigs. And so, you know, he had his wealth. He didn't think about preserving his wealth. He didn't think about growing his wealth. He didn't think about investing his wealth. He didn't think about doing anything at all productive with his wealth. It just it was just a, an unending resource until it ended. And and that's how some people live. Things are just unending resources until they actually end. It says this in the Proverbs, he should have learned. He who tills his land will have plenty of food. But he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty aplenty. Again, just look at that. Proverbs 28, 19. He who tills his land will have plenty of food. If you want to make sure you have plenty of food, what can you do? Grow it. Grow it. You know, it's, it, it's kind of like the leaves on the trees. It just grows right out of the ground, doesn't it? Now, it's not without effort. There's some tilling involved. You know, there's some weeding involved. Uh, there, there might be an electric fence involved trying to keep the deer out, right, Rick? But there, there's some effort, but it grows out of the ground. But you've got to put the seed there. You've got to cultivate the seed. You might need to fertilize the seed. You need to heart. But this man, he not only had no, no, uh, you know, no, no tilling. With all that wealth, he had no land. I, just, I think about all the people I've known over the years. When they get a little bit of money, they're going to buy a place. If they get some money, they're going to buy something that is their own. This guy, he has all the money. Think of all the nice little farms he could have bought, all the nice places, and he didn't buy any of them. He could have bought a place where he could have worked at a moderate pace and lived a moderate life for the rest of his life, but he wasted all of it. The one who follows 
empty pursuits will have poverty of plenty. And in the end, that's all he had plenty of. He starts with plenty of everything, but he ends up with only poverty of plenty. We think about this other proverb he could have learned from, Proverb 23, verse 4 and 5. Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Well, he didn't do that. Cease from a consideration of it. When you set your eyes on it, it's gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. Well, even people that mind money and are trying to get money, they'll find it often as fleeting. Well, when you're not minding it at all, it certainly will will fly away. And so his wealth, uh, you know, like this, it said, the wealth had the had wings. The wealth had eagles' wings, and off it went. And so he could have learned from the proverbs about waste. He could have learned about work. He could have learned all kinds of things. He could have considered the ant and the sluggard. He could have learned from all kinds of proverbs. He didn't learn from any of them. He had to go out there and be hungry with the pigs himself. Another thing he learned is he learned who really cared for him. And what he found out is, is once he was broke, nobody seemed to care much at all. Uh, He found out, like the Proverbs again say, that uh, there are parents who care for you. And there was a parent all along who had an eye out for him. In Proverbs 28, 7, it says this. He who keeps the law is a discerning son, but he who is a companion of gluttons humiliates his father. Well, he became a humiliation. He, he, his father was thinking of him. Even when he went out there uh, and lived as far from his family as he could, even when he went out there and tried to live away from their influence and away from uh, their knowledge, well, he didn't, did he? He never left the concern of his father, even if he humiliated him. And we also think about his older brother, the one who pretty accurately sums up his life. This son of yours who wasted his money on harlots, wasted his money on whores. He found out that he was a disgrace to these people because he was still connected to them even though he was far away. The people that he was with, he really wasn't connected to them at all. Uh, The the most they gave him was a a place with the pigs. But what he found was that he didn't make any real friends, any real connections, and he didn't make anybody who can uh, make any connections where people had concern and love for him when he was out there seeking a good time. He sought to distance himself from them. And he succeeded to some degree that they didn't have a lot of influence on his daily life, but he didn't succeed entirely because there was one of them still looking for him and another who was constantly chagrined by him. And so he didn't separate himself from those people as much as he thought because even though one had a a righteous concern and one maybe a selfish and unrighteous concern, at least back home there was still what? some kind of concern. But what concern is there, or is there any concern among these people where he's gone in the far country? 
And so I'm sure he had friends when the party was going, when he had the money to buy, when he had the money to supply. But what did he get later on? He got nothing. Uh, what is it that the proverb, or the, you know, it's, it's, it's basically a New Testament proverb, 1 Corinthians 15.33, don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. Well, this guy was both corrupted and corrupting. He was the bad company, and he was in bad company. And so no, nothing that was truly uh, advantageous to him, nothing that was uh, you know, dignifying to him, helpful to him, encouraging to him, edifying to him, nothing came in all of that. And he didn't make a single good friend there. The Proverbs say about real friends, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for the day of adversity. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for the day of adversity. He didn't make a single friend in his riotous living who was concerned enough to be in any way a true friend. How much would it have cost somebody? How much attention to, to a person's plight would it have been to say, hey, guy, stop living with the pigs. Come over here and live in my back room. <laughs> or, you know, even just put your bedroll on my porch. Put your bedroll in my kitchen or something. Why don't you do that? No, nobody had even that much concern. He didn't have, through all of this, any real friends. Again, I just can't imagine that he wasted all of this money totally by himself. What, was he drinking it all up in a room, isolated from everybody else? I don't think so. What, was he uh, buying things and luxury items and, and various things to sit in a room that only he saw? I can't imagine. The, the people who go out on things like this, they got hangers-on. They got folks who are there to leech off of them and to grab all the grabbing's good and to enjoy all the fruit for which his father worked and which he's now wasting. There had to have been people around, but he did not make enough of a connection with any of them. And maybe they weren't the quality of people that the Proverbs mentions who could even be a friend who loves, again, Proverbs 17, 17, at all times and a brother for the day of adversity. And so then he finally realized, uh, far too late in many respects, but not far too late for his own soul, that he was welcome back home, mostly. I, not really a lesson about the older brother. The, the main welcome, the welcome of the father, and the welcome of the father's good servants, that welcome was there. He recognized, he said, my father's hired hands, they have enough to eat but I have no food. He said, I will go tell him that I have sinned. I have done wrong. I will be one of your hired men. I won't even be your son. Just let me hire on with, with the staff. Let me hire on with the help. And he knew because this proverb says the friend loves at all times. He knew there was somebody there who would at least have enough basic love and concern just that they would kind of have, you know, the philanthropy they'd have for everybody. That he knew at his father's house that beggars who walked down the street got treated better than he was being treated. 
And he said, I'm going to go back to that house and I'll hire on. They have enough respect and just human decency. They have enough brotherly kindness in their heart. I'll be better off to be a hand there than to be a hand here. And so he went back home to be a hand. But the father wouldn't, of course, take him as a hand. The father took him back as a son who was dead and is now alive. And so we think about this. When he finally did anything right, this proverb came to be. Proverb fifteen twenty: A wise son makes his father glad. But a foolish son or foolish man despises his mother. The only wise thing that this boy does in the whole thing is to go back in humility. But you know what? That was wise enough to fulfill this proverb that his father was glad. And how glad was his father? With just that little bit of wisdom shown. With just that little bit that he did, which is going to put him in good stead and get him back on the right track. And so the dependable love of the father that is so proud when his son shows wisdom. With just that bit of wisdom, with just the wisdom enough to go home, he makes his father makes his father glad. We also see the obvious that the prodigal learned that riotous living was costly. Riotous living was extremely costly. He became impoverished. He spent all that he had. He did things that were just really of no account whatsoever, and it cost him dearly. He ends up, again, feeding the pigs, desiring the food that they have, wanting to share. We see this proverb that he should have learned and eventually did, that he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. As long as he trusts in his own heart, he was an absolute fool. And what do the Proverbs say of fools? But he was delivered when he took the first steps in wisdom back to his father's house. He found out that that righteous living was physically costly. It took a terrible toll on his body. Just imagine how healthy and how hale and hearty he must have looked when he left his father's house. Just think of how well he was dressed. Think about how, uh, you know, uh, uh, the rosy glow of health that would have been about himself. But then we think about what he must have been like when he got back. Not just that he was in bad and ragged clothes, because he must have been in terrible clothes. And not just that he needed a bath. But surely he did. But you think about think about the, the skin falling off his bones. Think, think, think about the... the uh, the bedraggled look in his eye. Think about the dark circles under his eyes. Think about, think about the sagging shoulders. Well, what did the Proverbs say? Proverbs 4, verse 20. It says this, Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health, to their whole body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. The words of wisdom aren't just good spiritually. 
The words of wisdom are life. This is Proverbs 4.22. Life to those who find them and health for the whole body. And so we think about the healthy looking young man that left and the frail and sickly fellow that came back. And so today we see pictures of, uh, of people in uh, the throes of addiction. And what do they look like? Or you can just sometimes look at a fellow and, and you can see the ravages, uh, ravages of alcohol. You can see uh, the telltale signs. And, and there's all kinds of, of, of habits of this world that you can see in the bodies of the people who practice them. Uh, we think about the behavioral uh, diseases, but diseases that not entirely are spread by behavioral methods, but uh, are closely tied to them, like HIV, AIDS, and the like. Or we think about maybe unwanted pregnancies, or uh, they talk about uh, you know, the terrible affliction that many have today with uh, uh, not, uh, infertile, being infertile, not being able to uh, conceive and have children, and there's a sexually transmitted virus that's behind so much of that. Again, not entirely, and not that everybody who has any of these diseases or problems, it's always sinful habits, but so very often it is that sin wrecks the body. And of course, sin wrecks the mind, wrecks the conscience. It, it affects our ability to function. Uh, some people, because of their sinful habits and practices, like this prodigal, they can't function normally. They, they cannot hold, uh, hold a job uh, aside from uh, you know, a, a ruined self-respect. And so weak-mindedness uh, as a result of one's sinful habits is quite common. Uh, there's uh, Proverb 10.23, doing wickedness is like sport to a fool. See, it affects his mind. He thinks it's fun. He thinks that's funny. He thinks that's the way of life. He thinks those, this is the way of entertainment. And so is wisdom to the man of understanding. And so the man who's wise to him figuring out wisdom, figuring out things of knowledge. This to him, it is his entertainment. It is to him his, uh, his sport. It, it quickens the, his, uh, you know, his, his heart. It, it, uh, it enlivens the mind. But to the fool, it's wickedness that does that. It, uh, what you do changes your habits and your outlooks uh, on life. Of course, we've mentioned his material cost. It was very costly to him materially to live this way. He'd gone through all his money. Proverbs 14, 24. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the folly of fools is foolishness. Or another, Proverbs 21, 20. There's precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. And so one man has a provision. Uh, one man has stocks. Uh, back in the ancient days, it was literally they had stocks of food and, and, and stocks in the grain cellars and stocks of things in, in the barns. Today, a wise man might literally have stocks. Right? He, owns, he owns a decent portfolio for his retirement or the like. Again, not that you have these things for their own sake, but you have them as the blessing of God on, on righteous and, and sober living. It costs him socially, as uh, we've already mentioned, that... Uh, that he was alone in his uh, in his uh, debauchery. Uh, he was, uh, you know, uh, considering himself not worthy to be the son 
of his father. His father says a couple of times, this son was dead. He's cut off from the family. He's not been with us, but we're so glad that he's, he's been found and, and now he's alive. Who would tear things down like that? Well, Proverbs 14, 1, talking about the wise versus the foolish. It says, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. I think when it talks about the house there, it's not literally talking about the dwelling. Although I have known some people that are so uh, agitated of mind that they've literally wrecked their own property. And I, I think the house here is, is the, the household, the people in it. And here, it, it's what, usually the Proverbs are about men. Not entirely, because, you know, the virtuous woman of chapter 31 is certainly a woman. But uh, in this one, it's a special warning, I think, for women, not that men couldn't do this too. The wise woman builds your house, the foolish tears it down with their own hands. Sometimes we live in a, in a if we live in a selfish way and we live in an ungodly way, we will drive from our house the people that need to be there. We will tear up our relationships. We will sunder those cords and ties that bind. Uh, we'll have people that, I don't want anything to do with him or her. I just, nope. Uh, I, I've known in some families where somebody says, hey, we're going to go see so-and-so. And, -so, and uh, some of the family members will go, well, you can go by yourself because I ain't going because they don't want to have anything to do with them. And so this uh, social cost, the familial cost, this cost in relationships with one another. And so then, of course, obviously, in this, there are spiritual costs. There are spiritual costs. From the Proverbs, Proverb one nineteen. it says, Because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, they would not accept my counsel. They wouldn't accept wisdom. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices for the waywardness of the naive shall kill them and the complacency of fools shall destroy them. But he who listens to me to wisdom will live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. The foolish don't fear the Lord. Of course, we know that is the beginning of wisdom. That was chapter 1, verse 9. It's also in chapter 3. The, the foolish eat their fruit of their own way. That will kill them, verse 32. It will destroy them as well in verse 32. And it will bring on them, in verse 33, the dread of evil. Evil will run riot in their lives, as it did in this prodigal, as he was away from his family and unrepentant. This man at least recognized he needed to live and make the change because he didn't want to do fully what it says in Galatians 6. He finally saw this is not the right life. Galatians 6, verse 7, Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this will he reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall reap corruption. But the one who sows the Spirit shall from the Spirit reap eternal life. So you can reap corruption in the flesh, or you can reap eternal life in the Spirit. The life you lead will have its, its effect. It can be a terrible cost, 
as it was for this young man up until the point of his repentance, or it can be a life of spiritual blessing. And so the last thing, the last thing I think we can say is from Proverbs 28 and 13. This man learned you can correct mistakes if you act soon enough. The Proverbs mostly tell us about the way of right and the way of wrong. But it also tells us that we can make a change from one to the other. So Proverbs 28, 13, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. The proverb said this. I don't know if he was thinking about this proverb, but he did the right thing. He confessed and he forsook. And what did he find? He found compassion. And you think about the Old Testament. Is one of the great watchwords of the Old Testament compassion and mercy? It's a solid theme, but don't we normally in the Old Testament think about justice? Don't, don't we think more, a little more, a little more of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth? Don't we think a little bit more about uh, sin and consequence? Compassion is a theme, and the loving kindness of God is everlasting. That's from the Psalms. But it's really not the byword, uh, is it, of the Old Testament? Is it, it's not the, the it's not the byword of the Old Testament. It's not the summary. It is compassion. But in the New Testament, it is. And so in the New Testament, even all the more, do we find such compassion? Do we find such grace? In the gospel, 1 John 1, verse 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so that compassion that the Proverbs taught is fully realized in Jesus Christ. If, if it was a theme of the old law, the compassion was there. It's one of the major, it's one of the major things. It's, 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 our, it's our continual chorus, as it were, in the New Testament. Because we're told here in Luke 15, uh, with the parable of the lost coin and the parable of the lost sheep, and then in here, the parable of the lost son, we're told this, Luke 15, 7, I tell you in the same way, there'll be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who needs no repentance. And Luke 15, 10, in the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so if we think back to our last Sunday uh, morning, uh, let's assume that all in the att attendance at Sunday morning service that all of those who attended were righteous people in good standing with God. I think quite a few were. I don't know if we all were, but let's assume for this exercise that every one of us who were there were upstanding, righteous people in the proper and, and, and right, forgiven before God. And let me ask you on Sunday, with whom at our service Sunday do you think the Lord was most pleased? I think it's pretty obvious from these passages. I think the Lord was happier over the young man that repented on Sunday than all the rest of us who were there who didn't. And not because we've done anything wrong. We may have, and consult your own conscience or, and, 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 and draw your own conclusion for yourself and as to your own state. But assuming the rest of us who were there who needed no repentance, 
over whom on that at that service was the Lord most pleased, over the one who came in, in tenderheartedness and, and open confession, came and asked for forgiveness and expressed a repented heart to return back to God. That's what this passage says, isn't it? Now, the Proverbs taught that. It's not a major theme, but it was there. This is still true. He who conceals his transgression won't prosper. So maybe some of the rest of us need to think about what the young man did and do, do the same. But he who confesses and forsakes will find compassion. And so all the things there of the story of the prodigal son, you know, he, he should have known these things. He didn't have to go through those years in the wilderness. He didn't have to go through those years of being dead to his family. He didn't have to go through that uh, poverty and brokenness of spirit and brokenness of body. He didn't have to get down to lusting after the corn cobs in the pig slop. But he did. And he did at least learn the lesson from it. Because don't we know some folks who've gone there and not learned anything? Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.